I've never met another, another business owner that didn't fail to success. You know, there will be a ton of failures and those failures just make you change course. Welcome to the Charting Her Course podcast brought to you by the Pacific Coast Business Times. This podcast will give an inside look at women who own and run small businesses on California's Central Coast. I'm your host, Veronica Kuzma, and I'm so excited to put a spotlight on these fascinating businesses in San Luis Obispo, Santa Barbara, and Ventura counties. This podcast would not be possible without our sponsor, Bank of America. More from them a little later. Rory Travato is the founder of Rory's Artisanal Creamery, a beloved ice cream shop and brand with five stores and counting on the Central Coast. Rory started out with a degree in math and a love for food. After going to culinary school, developing recipes for Martha Stewart, publishing a book, and becoming a mother, Rory sought out to start her own business. From hands-on ice cream flavor production to optimizing business strategies, Rory has achieved a feat many business owners dream of, a solid fan base and a stable business model powered by passion and customer service. Listen to hear how Rory did it. Please enjoy this talk with Rory Travato. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk today. I'm very excited to speak with you. Um, Let's start with you talking about Rory's Creamery and your role. I started the company by myself in about 2009. And I say about because... uh, I had the idea much earlier and how do you launch ice cream? My, well, we'll go into the background later, but I had never, I've been in every aspect of the food industry, but I'd never really owned a product before. And so because ice cream was always my shtick, like when I was a pastry chef and on menus, I, I, I loved making ice cream and I grew up having homemade ice cream every Sunday at my grandma's house. So it was always a big deal to me. So when I started it, I had to, I just thought, you know, I've never owned a product before. Um, And um, at the time I was food styling and food writing a hundred percent of the time. And I had a baby uh, later in life and, um, it became very clear that I couldn't just put a baby in a backpack and go all over the world and write about food in Thailand anymore. So I thought, well, to stay stationary, this would be a great thing. I'd love to try this. So I started doing tastings and um, got popular opinion and just made a business model, started with costing and tried to see, could this be realistic? And that's why it's kind of vague how the very initial date was. In 2010, I was spinning ice cream in the back of a Gelson's that I got the agriculture department to approve of this room for me to spin ice cream because it's Ice cream is solely regulated by the agro uh, department. And they approved it and Gelson said, great, if you put it on our shelves, you know, that would be a, a great thing that 
so they that's how I got started and um, I kind of outgrew that space and then moved to Carpinteria in 2000 signed my lease here in 2010 so that was my beginnings and I'm still at that existing factory at the time I was just renting a little tiny space and it was somebody's el- somebody else's commissary kitchen and uh, they got a bigger one and so I took over the whole factory at that point um, which seemed to me like oh my god I'll never grow into this and now you know we're bursting at the seams so it, it's worked out really well and when I look back I think oh my god you know I'm, every business owner looks back and think, oh, my God, I was so naive or what was I thinking or how could it, you know, but you just do it. That entrepreneurial spirit just kind of takes over. And I'm not saying that, you know, uh, you don't look at the facts. I mean, I, I really did a lot of research to see how could I make a quality product uh, and keep my profit margin where I wanted it and support you know, a family. And it was not easy. It's still not easy. Ice cream is a very high, the the cost of goods are outrageous. And because butter is a commodity, it fluctuates with the market. So right now with inflation, we're looking at, you know, 38 to 42% increase just this year in, in in the ingredient that is a 90% of my product. So, um, you know, it's, it's tight. So just because I think it's fun to ask, what did you want to be when you grew up? Did you think you'd end up in this space? (laughs) Not this. I certainly didn't think that for sure. Um, no, I always had a love for food and, uh, I went, I was a call, I was a math major just because I was good at math, but I really didn't have a goal for that. And unless I went on to um, higher education, I realized, what am, I gonna, am I gonna teach? What am I gonna do with this? And to the chagrin of my folks, after I graduated, I went to culinary school, which I, I knew instantly that that's where my love was. And so when I, I, I moved to France and studied over there and came back and and just chefed all over and and just I loved the adrenaline I loved the innovation I loved the you know pirates you work with in a kitchen it was just really I just really thrived on it all and um but but that pace gets insane as you know and I was late to the game you know I was almost 30 when I went to culinary school so I was a lot older than any of the kids that were in school with me. But when I, and I was living on the East Coast, when I moved back to California, I had a baby in my mid forties and I realized, wow, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to stay put. And at that time I was um, a primarily, when I lived in New York, I started working for Martha Stewart and I worked in the kitchen as a recipe developer, and then I turned into, uh, I was 
producing some of the line, producing some of the TV segments and doing all aspects of it. And then I, I just went freelance and started food styling for all the magazines. And then I got a book deal with um, Simon and Schuster and did a book. And then it just kind of evolved. And then I became a food writer. And uh, my, at the time I was married to a man who was a food photographer and we were a team and we went all over the world writing about food and taking pictures for all these magazines. So when I came here and I was going to have a baby, I realized that's a little difficult with the kid. So that's what inspired me to do, to actually start with a product like ice cream. I didn't ever really think this is what I was going to be. And I had been many things along the line. So I think I have fulfilled a lot of my ambition in different aspects. But now, you know, I luckily for me, because we are a small batch ice cream producer, I am very hands-on. I'm at the factory every day. I make ice cream every day. I have a crew, but I, I'm in there every day either, you know, tweaking something or developing a new flavor uh, for our next month. We also do, a, we're one of the few uh, ice cream uh, food processing plants that I will produce a signature ice cream for a client. A big company, they'll come to me and they want a signature flavor. And it's there. You can, it's very hard to get companies that are big enough to manage that, but small enough to still devote that R&D to a new flavor. So, but for me, that's such a joy to be able to create all that every month. I am very passionate. And I always say that I... I I hope that, I mean, that was always the goal, that my, my customers could taste the passion that we put into our ice cream. We make everything that goes in our ice cream, except one candy, because I use Whoppers in my malted milk ball, because I just wanted that nostalgic Whopper taste. But all the other candy, all the cookies, we make all of our cones gluten-free, vegan, and regular. So when you were starting out, what did you know the most about? And then what did you know the least about? And how has that shifted? I knew the most about my ingredients. I had a lot of connections with local farmers, dairies. So that part was a breeze. And, and through my history of restaurant, I knew a lot about recipe costing and what it took to get my cost of goods down. What I didn't know a lot about was running a business. You know, it's, it's one thing to say, oh, I, I am a great ice cream maker. I'm a premier ice cream maker. That does not equate ever into a great business owner. You know, it's just two different skill sets. So that was a, um, a work in progress, learning how to manage employees, learning how to uh, keep my labor costs down. How do, I, how do I just skim off a little to make sure that my gross margin is where I need it to be? So I think that was the biggest learning curve. And 
And now I feel very well versed in the whole aspect of it. But that's when I think of myself as being so naive now, uh, that's, that's the area I'm talking about. So we do like to touch on the financial piece of starting a business. So what was the process like to fund yours and any advice to others on their journey? Hmm. Well, um, when I initially started, um, I had, I had, I put aside some money and because I wasn't, I wasn't even clear on the growth or the pattern I was going to go into. I just wanted to create the product, get it out there, and initially started as just selling retail. And like I said, I was spinning the ice cream in the back of a Gelson's, and oddly enough, someone from Whole Foods came in and approached me and said, how can we get you in our markets? So I had never really even thought of grocery wholesale. So when they approach me with that, I'm going to need some more funding. And fortunately, I was able to go to my father initially and get enough funding to um, get us up and running, get this bigger factory. I had done a tasting uh, for a gentleman named Jim Rosenfeld, who owns the Montecito Country Mart, the Marin Country Mart, and um, the Brentwood Country Mart down in L.A., and he fell in love with it. So I, you know, it, I lucked out because he said to me, I will do 100% of your TI, of your tenant improvements. I will build you the shop. I will put every spoon, cup, and utensil in, you, in there for you. And you just open the store and we'll do a percentage rent thereafter. So that got my name out there and it was wildly successful from the day it opened. And then um, another location in Santa Barbara, um, the owner of that location came to me and made me the exact same deal. So I got my first two shops pretty much funded by them. And by that time, I had decided I'm going to stop grocery wholesale because I had started uh, with the Whole Foods in about five locations, but I was in all the Gelson's markets. So that at the time was only 18. Now I think they're up to 27. But I, I couldn't manage the two of them at the same time. I didn't have enough capital to fund it. So I stopped grocery wholesale because the cash cow was in retail for me. And so I had these two locations. And at that time, that's when my investor had heard about me and approached me. And we kind of courted each other for about eight, nine months. And, you know, he did a full audit to make sure, you know, I, I wasn't um, just a crazy, you know, chef. And um, I, I am a crazy chef, but at least I had uh, some, you know, he could see that I had a business model and a plan. And so we went from there. So I, that's how I got started. That's how the funding started. But advice to others, really spend time on a business model. And I've had, 
and, and be passionate about it because at no point is this glamorous. You know, when people, I'm going to start my own business or I'm going to own my own restaurant or business or product and thinking that it's, it's about the glamour of it, it, it is so much work. Like any entrepreneur, you are, you are working 24 seven and <clears throat> you put your heart and soul in it. And if you, if you aren't that person, you're probably not an entrepreneur. It doesn't mean you're not going to be a successful business owner, but that's the spirit I went in with. And, um, I recommend to others, uh, to spend a lot of time with that business model and be very flexible with it. Because things change. And if you are hard-pressed on it's got to work this way and only this way, you know, I've never met another business owner that didn't fail to success. You know, there will be a ton of failures. And and those failures just make you change course. Um, hopefully and continue, not change course to give up. And, and I think that's that a lot of those corrections can be solved at the beginning if you've taken uh, a lot of time to do a model and talk to people that are in your industry. So that would be my advice to others is just doing a little more research and knowing that you're in it 100% or you're not. And now a word from our sponsor. Bank of America asked Central Coast businesses, what would you like the power to do? Listening to your answer is how we learn about what matters most and help you achieve your goals. That's why we've lent over a half billion dollars to Ventura, Santa Barbara, and San Luis Obispo County's small, mid-sized, and commercial businesses. Because we don't just work here, we live here. What would you say are the values that your business is built on? I would say they are built on um, pure ingredients. Um, I, I like to say my retail stores are a success for two very distinct reasons. One, the quality of our product and two, our customer service. Um, I, you know, I'm old school in uh, I I don't want to go quite often you'll go to a coffee house and you get a barista that is so hipsterish they found that it's they don't need to do salutations or be nice to you or things like that and I don't care who you are everybody wants a welcome or just to be spoken to kindly and so we spend a lot of time on customer service development. And I have a director of retail sales and his name is Carl Metzger. And he's just, he's an old pro and he takes a lot of time in training everybody that it's, it's about the customer. It's about the guest. And uh, so I think, those are the values we try to show our customer and the quality of the product isn't enough anymore. I feel, you know, you have to, you know, every customer, I mean, we have the advantage when, cause I used a coffee house as a, as a bad example, but when you think about it, you're, you're going to coffee house in the morning and that is your 
elixir, you know, that you, you're, you need it, you want it, you're in a hurry. And so you're not necessarily in this great mood. Uh, where ice cream, when you go to, when you decide to walk into an ice cream shop, you've already decided to treat yourself. So we have that advantage. People are usually in a good mood and, you know, we've made your screaming kids stop crying. So now we're your hero. So we get that advantage and everybody, you know, everybody asks an ice cream scooper, what's your favorite flavor? People care and they want to know new ideas and and my uh, concept initially was I, all of my freezers are old school where they have the metal tops and you, you don't see the actual ice cream until we open the little door on top. And I did that intentionally because I wanted them to engage and I wanted us to engage them. So what's your, you know, fresh mint patty like? Just my scoopers just open the door and put a spoon right in their face. It's like, you tell me, you know, and so that starts a conversation, which also allows them to try several flavors that they may not have ordered, but they will the next time. So I think that that engagement with our customer helps our customer base grow. What would you say has been a standout moment so far? Well, the growth and, and the continued growth um, is astonishing to me, you know, that um, n- we're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. We're just, you know, but ice cream never goes out of style. And y- you'll see um, some that come into fashion that are a little more crazy flavors or something like that. But for me, I think biggest standout moment is just the acknowledgement of all your hard work. And we've had so many examples of, of praise and, and, and customer reaction. And then to land, you know, we, I just landed uh, a customer that ordered 15,000 ice cream sandwiches. And it's like, you know, we've never done something, a single order that big. You know, I've been doing this for this many years and it's like, oh my gosh, now I have to go back. It's a huge moment for me because I have to go back, okay, and just go through step one through 10, you know, purchasing all the way to delivery to their door. And how am I going to manage that much when I have a a tight space here? So um, those kind of little moments like that just stand out forever. What inspires you? The food industry, not necessarily in my area, not necessarily in ice cream. That's where I derive a lot of my inspiration. I like, you know, I'm, I read the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and the LA Times. And I think that I like to see what's going on in the country, just um, the way people are eating. I, I think the pandemic, the, the, what happened with TikTok, Instagram, all social media with food over the lockdown was the best thing that happened for lockdown. People started cooking and people were getting inspired. And that definitely inspires me. Like right now, 
everyone is into all of a sudden spice, chili crunch, anything hot, anything Korean is in nationwide. I mean, you can get kimchi at 7-Eleven. You know, I mean, like things that you never thought were going to happen. So how how can I influence that? You know, so I, you know, I do as a special a dark chocolate chili crunch. And it's, you know, people went crazy for it. And just so those kind of things really inspire me. What trends happen, what countries are influencing us right now. And that will help inspire me to develop something new or it can also be you know diet restrictions I mean plant-based everything has just taken over where you know I used to say oh a vegan is no chef's friend you know and nobody wants to make vegan food and now it's become so it's just part of our culture and if I don't do vegan flavors, it, I'm just, you know, missing a good portion, a good portion. Maybe it's 3%, but that's a good portion of a clientele. So I think it's really important to, for me to stay alive, look at trends, look at my competitors' trends, what they're doing, what works. And, you know, like I said, my, my company was based on – I pretty much say if you don't crave it in three in the morning, at three in the morning, I'm probably not making it. I am not your saffron, black pepper, lobster, ice cream gal. But there are people that are. And I love to follow them to see, really? You're you're doing, you know, turkey skin and gravy that's working for you? And, you know, it people are open to it. But I think it's it's just really important to be open to everything in whatever industry you're in just keep open and see if if it if it can work for you if you have the ability to make some changes to adapt i think that's what's going to keep you alive how has your business journey changed you personally well it's aged me that's for sure (laughs) i think it's um i was much feistier when i started and uh, very, and you'll like, it was going to be this way and this is the way I wanted it done. And I would never change. And I I feel this is my own impression of myself and probably others. Uh, but I think owning a business and work, you know, having hundreds and hundreds of employees throughout the years and it's, it, it hardens and softens you. For me, I, I just have, I've learned to take in others' ideas. When we hired the CEO, when, when you're a founder and, you know, the sole run, the sole manager in every aspect of a company and taking on a CEO, you know, I had to just have a new mantra and say, I am open to change because, that's why you hired this person. You know, I hired this person to help my business grow in a direction I was unable to do. I just didn't have that skill set. But that meant changes that I was unable to accept in my mind, you know. And and he and I were able to to do this this growth together and it allowed me to become a lot more flexible. So I think through the years that has been the biggest 
change for me is to know that you need flexibility. Um, you know, failure is part of a successful business and that you need to, I've had to close a couple stores that just didn't do well. And that was heartbreaking. But, you know, from, from each store that I did have to close, we took away what we learned and what we look for in the next location. So this will be my last question. I like to call it giving credit. What do you give yourself credit for, for achieving or learning or overcoming so far? I guess I would say what I just said in terms of I give myself credit for becoming flexible, allowing change to be part of the norm. You know, I've never lost my passion. And I think that passion helps me to be open to what other people want as a other what my customers would want. And 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 let go of things that I can't sustain. You know, if we had uh, a few products that were just the, so labor intensive and it just wasn't sustainable anymore. I do now give myself credit for, okay, this is, this is the way things have to, to change and move and to dream. You know, if all of this could happen, I have to never lose hope and, and keep the dream of the growth that we want to achieve. And, it, and it's there. So I think that's, that's the credit I'll give myself. I like to ask that one because I feel like people don't give themselves a pat on the back after a while. They just forget. So I like to end with that one. So how can people find out more about Rory's? We're based out of Santa Barbara. My factories in Carpinteria were, we have uh, th- three stores up here in Santa Barbara, Montecito and Carpinteria, Camarillo, Santa Monica. And we're opening a new one in Ventura right now. And um, I think, uh, on our website, we have a lot of information, ruriescreamery.com, and you can find out about our locations, our flavor, our ingredients, our history, our, far- our co-farmers. Um, that's the best way to get to know us more. Perfect. Thank you so much. That was so fun to talk to you. I love that. This was Charting Her Course, a Pacific Coast Business Times podcast. The Pacific Coast Business Times is the weekly business journal for the Central Coast with digital and print editions, as well as can't-miss events. For more on the Business Times and to subscribe, please visit our website at packbiztimes.com. A huge thank you again to our sponsor, Bank of America. Bank of America is committed to responsible growth for the clients and communities it serves by listening as they answer the question, what would you like the power to do? We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you stream podcasts. For more info on this podcast, please visit packbiztimes.com under Charting Her Course. We are also on Instagram at Charting Her Course. We'd love to hear suggestions on future guests as well. This podcast is developed and produced by Linda LeBrock and me, Veronica Kuzma. Associate producer, editor, and provider of emotional support, all done by Viana Mabonic. Our gorgeous artwork was done by Corey Iniguez of Dandelion Designs. Check out her website at dandeliondesigns.com. Our very cool theme music was created by Nicholas LeBrock. Thank you, Nicholas. Lastly, we're all out charting our own courses in business and in life. So while we're out there, let's wave and say hi to each other. 
We're in this together.